Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Loveline is meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Loveline with Dr. Chris starts. Three, two, one. Now. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope y'all getting through the week. A little self-care, a little love, focusing on your mental health. Remember, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, so I hope you're asking yourself, how's my mental health? What am I feeling? What needs might I need to attend to? And also asking those around you. It's it's a little startling, those that aren't familiar with it, but definitely let someone know that you're here for them and also start to build more intimacy when you ask those questions. Say to someone you know and care about, hey, how's your mental health today? How's your mental health been this week? It's all about us feeling our feelings, but more importantly, getting more comfortable discussing our mental health, hearing about others' mental health, and also asking about people's mental health. So it's the, it's the trifecta. Hope your week has been starting well. You know, got it. Got a few more days left. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Time flies by though. I wonder if you're all experiencing the same time creep uh, that I am. Uh, Literally within my day, but also within my week. It's unreal how I turn around and I feel like the weekdays are beginning again. And then I turn around and I feel like they're ending again. And you know, I'm still doing the radio show and seeing patients. So there are some benchmarks, but, uh, for a lot of us, there aren't. And, uh, I've talked to some people and I'll say something about the day of the week and they say, Oh my gosh, I thought it was the day prior, the day after, or who cares? <laughs> so it's an interesting thing right now, <laughs> but again, you know, don't panic. If, if that's where you're allowed to be, be in there, you know, time isn't real anyway. It's not linear. It's quite circular. You know, we bounce and back, we bounce around in time just in terms of memory and triggers and associations where, you know, someone zones out and they're in a different time and space. And then you tap them on the shoulder and they come back to the present, uh, fantasy and dream life. It's quite a beautiful thing. So, uh, I'm a little jealous of those that are allowed to be disconnected from the, uh, social construction of calendars and clocks, days and times. <laughs> but I'm also on the other hand, very thankful to have some of the benchmarks. So I understand that, you know, as I say, it's greener, grass is always greener. Uh, a lot of individuals would be quite happy to have structure and routine uh, enforced or in place from whatever reason it's coming from. So, you know, (laughs) again, hang in there. We're all doing the best we can. Uh, State Health Department. We're going to get into some news. This is uh, amazing. State Health Department launches condom delivery 
delivery service right now during coronavirus. Got a lot of questions about that one. I mean, I think that's phenomenal. Although we do have access to supermarkets and pharmacies where we can purchase them. I'm not quite sure about this delivery thing. I mean, I'm hoping people aren't having sex with uh, non-self-isolating individuals. But nonetheless, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services has launched a new condom delivery service. I think in general, that's great. You know, condoms, lube, sex toys, sexual health and wellness is so important. People can get all sorts of things delivered. Why not condoms? Um, I love that though. They've set up an email inbox and you can request free condoms and lube delivered to your door. That's stunning. I love that it's free. Um, not everyone has the finances to deal with contraception and barriers and et cetera. Uh, participants will receive 10 condoms and individual packets of lubricants. State promises that the condoms are mailed discreetly and anonymously with no logos or la- no logos or labels on the padded envelope. I love that. What a beautiful thing. <laughs> I would have loved to have taken advantage of that in my younger years. Um, I was always thankful though for, uh, you know, the fact that I always lived in a city, which was great. And there was a lot of pharmacies and local mental health and public health centers that always had free condoms available. So, you know, cause condoms can be quite expensive, but they're, they're very, very important. Um, so anyway, load up on your Trojans. It's really, really, really in important stuff that is meaningful and we, we need to have access to. But uh, let's get in some news. Got some dark news. Unfortunately, Ray Horn of Siegfried and Roy, excuse me, Siegfried and Roy, he dies from coronavirus. Heartbreaking. Um, we're definitely tracking different people's stories around this. Uh, hearing people passing away, though, it's unfortunate. I mean, especially when we're hearing things like Missouri, they've opened up and given the green light to concerts. It's such an interesting juxtaposition when people are still passing away and struggling with coronavirus infections. And there are some places that are opening up large, large mass events like concerts. I, I, it's such an odd juxtaposition. I, I don't know what to make of that. But again, remember, just because things are opening up doesn't necessarily mean that they're safe. And that's an unfortunate thing. We can't trust some of the decisions being made. So still got to assess for yourself what level of risk you're willing to take. Good news. Um, a daughter was born. The mother, though, unfortunately, is battling coronavirus. She is in a coma, but gave birth to a daughter. She names her daughter Ava, Breath of Life. I think that was decided beforehand. Um, Um, Or that might have been family members. I don't have the information on that part, but it's the good news coming out of some dark news. Um, This is what's happening right now. Uh, People, again, still struggling. Life is still happening. Um, I can't imagine being a parent to a child and you want to celebrate their birth but the parent that birthed the child is still struggling in a coma. I mean, this is the dichotomy we're in. There are people who are saying goodbye to loved ones who might be passing away soon from coronavirus via FaceTime. I mean, it's this odd time where we have access via technology, but we are blocked and barred from being there in real time. We have people who are giving birth, but they are you know, struggling on a ventilator in a coma. People are dying. And again, we're seeing things like the SoCal beaches. <laughs> I, I, it's it's really hard to wrap our minds around the fear and anxiety that comes out of all of that. And again, when we can't even trust some of the federal or local decision-making around all that. So again, um, we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm not so sure how, how eager I am as much as I want to get back to my life. I just definitely don't want to be putting anyone at risk. And then we have a story here about a father. He makes this to his two year old son's birthday party after surviving a stroke and the coronavirus. Uh, the 31 year old spent a month on a ventilator. He went into the hospital on March 19th, comes right out and goes to his son's birthday party. I mean, these are the kinds of stories that we're stumbling around. I mean, this is wild to me. All right, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com. Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. All right, we're back and we're going to talk about 
hookup culture. Yeah, you know, you're getting a little insight into what's to come because I'm writing an article and some books on some topics and uh, I'm going to start talking about a lot more of it on the show kind of before it comes out so you get a little sneak peek as to what's to come. And also, you know, it's kind of like a think tank because I'm I'm often developing these concepts and theories. But, um, you know, hookup culture. So what is it? it it's it's kind of part of the state of sexuality right now. It's, it's where we're living. And it's this more casual relationship to sexuality, which I think is great. Um, traditionally, we would uh, slut shame someone if they were having sex and it wasn't rooted in working on something more long-term or committed. And sex has a lot of different purposes. Sex can be for building relationship and commitment. Sex can be for deepening intimacy. Sex is also allowed to be just for fun because two adults decide we are attracted to each other and we want to have fun. It's, it should not be seen as any different than any other deeper level of intimacy that we might have with someone, whether it's a deep conversation or going away together. Uh, sexuality is just another form of intimacy building and using our bodies to connect. And we're talking a lot about female sexual empowerment. And so for many, it's very liberating to not use their sexuality as a way to work their self into a marriage or for childbearing and it's very liberatory when we can separate that out. And again, for people that are female presenting, we live in a such a slut shaming culture where we often deem that person who might be open to engaging in sexuality as not wife material or mother material. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's such an act of mental health and self-esteem still in our culture for someone to be open about their sexuality and lead with it, especially if you're female presenting. So there is no casual sex epidemic. People are still seeking and having relationships with of all different kinds. A relationship doesn't have more or less value if it's more ongoing or more committed or labeled. Um, having sex with someone is a form of relationality for sure. And that carries a responsibility and an accountability, but it, there's no epidemic that there's no loss of more as a result of that. We're just in a shift We're we're more open. And I think that there's something really beautiful about that. And no, people are not having more sexual partners today than they were in the past. Um, a lot of research is, is challenging the idea that people People are just having so much sex. In fact, there's tons of articles that came out. This was more last year, but they're talking about that we're more of a in more of a drought, and that the current generation's having less sex than ones before. And some of that's because people are overworked. I mean, that's my process around that is that people are working more. They are burnt out, and they're stressed, and none of that really pushes someone towards having the time, interest, or energy in having sexuality. But more uh, more people are online, but they're not necessarily hooking up. Uh, anyone who's on those apps knows that there's a lot of ongoing conversation, a lot of dead-end conversation, but that it isn't people just log on, decide to meet, go and have sex, and that's it. It takes actually a long time to find a sex partner online. Often people that want one are not able to find one immediately or even that day. And most of, most of the people that are online are actually just on there chatting, cruising, flirting, looking around. It's actually not just leading to sex. Some people wanted to rise the, I'm sorry, some people wanted to blame the rise in STIs and STDs on hookup culture. But no, the reason why there's higher rates of STDs and STIs is that people are finally getting tested. And so of course we're seeing that because those things were already happening. People just weren't getting tested. But people online are not having more sex. Most people online are actually not having sex. Again, they're just sexting maybe, which is a form of sexuality, but it's more they're more flirting and just kind of cruising.
using and checking in on each other. So that that's something we need to kind of put down. But yeah, the the we're, they're having fewer partners than the Gen Xers, and um, often this is also leading to friendships. A lot of these apps are kind of a hybrid, where it's for sex finding or romance, but even socialization and friendship. A lot of beautiful things have come out of that. Um, but again, some people are wanting to delay committed relationship because they're working on their career or they're working on getting to know themselves or they're just in no rush because they're pushing back on the pressure to prioritize marriage and family and children and relationship. But yet they want to have sex because it's healthy and it's fun and it can be a form of relationality. It can be a form of just spending time with others. And so I, I, I like hookup culture for that. Now that doesn't mean it doesn't have any downsides. There are some. And some of the things I don't like about it is that it's not always rooted in enough care and compassion where people think, oh, it's just a hookup. It's only online. No, no, no. That's a human being on the other end. Take that seriously. Care and compassion. You still should have respect and there still should be boundaries. And often people are talked about or viewed as just broken up body parts. Show me this, show me that. I mean, I'm not on those apps anymore um, for a multitude of reasons, but I remember those days when people would sometimes not even want to talk to you like a person and you're more of a product and they would just request photos and they didn't even want to talk to on other levels. And there's a place for that. And some people do enjoy that, but there's other people that want more of a relational piece to the hooking up. They don't necessarily need to be your partner or husband or boyfriend, but they want to be treated like a person. And so for me personally, it started to burn me out where I wanted to be related to as a, as a human. I I didn't like the objectification. Um, and so I took a break from it. And so that can be one of the darker, deeper parts that doesn't feel good to someone, but you, you can avoid that. You can, um, either not engage those people or you can try to request a more humanized approach from them. Right. So know that there's like a plasticity to the way we engage others and different subcultures like hookup culture and doesn't have to be one way. So, for those that are comfortable in it and they're enjoying it and they're getting their needs met, that is phenomenal. Enjoy that. And for others, I, I, I hold space for you to say it's not feeling good to me right now and I want to take a break from it. Don't demonize it totally because there's a place for it, but it's okay if it's not where you want to be right now. I, I thrived when I took a break from it and who knows what the future holds for me around that, but right now, it's not for me. All right, listen to, uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and Radio.com. Loveline. This is Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. All right, we're back. And tonight we're talking with our TV guru, pop culture, Ron Robbins, Couch Potato. What's going on, Ron? And I'm like live from the couch this time. Uh, you know, that is your office and workspace. And the reason why I love having you on the show is because we're going through a difficult time right now, the pandemic. People are at home self-isolating. And, you know, part of mental health is taking time to find some joy and some humor and to distract. It helps decrease our stress levels. It helps boost our immune system. So what is happening on TV that we should be aware of and checking out? Well, you know, I've been, like, preparing for this for a long time, and I'm glad that, like, everyone now, it's terrible what's happening, trust and believe, but, like, now people have the opportunity to, like, catch up with what I've been watching. Well, help us, because I'm horrible with television culture, and so I never know what I should be checking out, and so I'm going to be literally writing down everything you're saying. 
sure, sure. Well, you know, sometimes you're going to be in the mood to be like scared. Sometimes you're going to be in the mood to watch something romantic. Sometimes you're going to be in the mood to watch a series about a lesbian recovering drug addict, stand up comic, <laughs> entering, yeah, yeah. <laughs> entering a new relationship. So when that mood hits, you're going to watch Feel Good on Netflix. And that's the lesbian drug addict story. She is a lesbian, wow. a recovering drug addict. She's got some mommy issues. Her mom is played by, um, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on her name, Lisa Kudrow. Um, and yeah, so she's just going through a lot and enters a new relationship with a girl who was previously straight. So it's like got all the elements that you're going to want. It's like eight episodes, maybe 10 episodes. They're half hour each. So you'll be done in like four or five hours. That's like a good day of TV watching. <laughs> and I love that right now. A lot of us are like four hours where before it might have taken us a couple of days. We can bang that out tonight. Oh my God! There's, I'm sure there's people with like dry erase boards in their living room, like mapping out their entire day of like watch, <laughs> like what to watch. So then you're gonna like move on, and you're gonna be all in the mood for like, you know, kind of like a sitcom dramedy, something that gives you like a fresh perspective on the Latinx community of Boyle Heights and like their. Um, you know what they go through on a regular basis, especially in regards to gentrification. Yeah, so I had I had a couple on, people send me send me that on uh, DM on uh, IG saying, "Doctor Chris, you would love this. You would love this." Oh yeah, no, it's really good. I was totally sucked in. It's called Hentified, which is like gentrified, but um, Hentified, G E N T E, um, and that's Netflix. Yes. Okay. And uh, America Ferrera is attached to it, oh, and. Sure. Uh, Wilmer, what's his name? Balderrama. Yeah, yeah, him, exactly, is attached to it. Um, it's really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think you would, too. Okay. What? But then you're going to be back in your mood for a documentary series. Which is which is one of my favorite. My two favorite kinds of yeah, film like, is horror. I know for you, like, yeah. the other avenues would be, you know, uh, a real weird, strange tangent for you. So you're going to want to return to your docuseries passion and you're not going to want to watch something that makes you mourn the death of a seven-year-old child. You're going to want to watch something completely bizarre. So you're going to turn on Tiger King. Yeah, I started it. I started it. I'm telling you, that is unlike anything else. Bananas. I'm only admittedly only one episode in oh. like i'm almost like too scared to go on this ride oh and just and it's it's literally one of those things where when you're like can it get any kookier oh yes oh yes it sure does <laughs> okay well so that's like a really fun bumpy twisty turvy type of ride that i'm hearing lots of crazy things about so i'm gonna be strapped in for that p.s um, he's also giving me imagine. ideas about getting a mullet like i'm, I'm loving the mullet yeah, there's mullet, there's like polygamy, there are, you know, good big cat owners and bad big cat <laughs> owners and sanctuaries and circuses. It's so weird. I just can't. Like, I, I don't know if I need to, like, inebriate. I, something's got to happen. Um, so you're going to do that. And then you're going to want to, like, return to, like, network, prime time type of, like, light an airy drama, and you're going to want to watch Good Girls, which is now in its current third season. 
but you can watch previous seasons on Netflix or Hulu and even then get caught up to current uh, programming. And it's kind of like Weeds Adjacent where um, in this series, like three suburban-ish or suburban-adjacent women get hooked into a big counterfeiting and money laundering situation that they just can't get out of and much like weeds like it just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper like that's what's happening here but it's it's a wild ride that i think you'd have fun with beautiful um do you got anything scary anything scary scary you're like no well (laughs) uh depending on how about like scary in the turn in like the way that a nine is suburban white upper upper class who thinks she's the farthest thing from racist is actually like yeah, terribly yeah. terribly racist what's that called like if that's the kind of scare you're looking for you would want to start little fires everywhere oh, which is wow. a new limited yeah, series on hulu that. that's based on a book i've never read but it's now four episodes deep and it's it's awesome I mean, I you know, I get I get enough uh, white supremacy and racism watching the president on television, but yeah, I guess if you need a little bit more, you check that out. Yeah, this is almost just like it's like wow, like white people can be so awful, um, and that's just like that's just like a taste of the sh- like that's not the plot, right? Um, but well, Ron it's, Robbins, it's an, thank you for all of that. Um, of we definitely course. have to have you back, and you can get us up to date on some of the other identities of characters going on. Because I love, I love knowing what's going on in the television world. It's such a powerful socializer. Uh, where can people find you? Rondaliza Rice on Instagram. It's Rondaliza underscore Rice, um, basically spelled like Condoleezza Rice, but with an R. <laughs> um, I've got some Archie comics out there, and I. Um, I'm on the couch, as always. All right. Stay, stay with it. Uh, question of the night's up on our Loveline and G page. Still some time to weigh in on that. And then we'll be hitting up those DMs. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Guess what, y'all? It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. And we want you to explore it with confidence. Hey, Dr. Chris, lately I've been considering ending it with my partner as I've been starting to feel like I'm just not good enough because of the comments she makes. Firstly, it's the passing comments. We'll be out shopping. She'll try to tell me certain clothes don't feel comfortable. She replies, try it on, you'll find sexy. So I do. She also never paid me a compliment about my looks. I'll tell her all the time she's beautiful. I find her sexy. I love her body, etc. Also, she comes with the photos. She's uploaded a ton of photos with her friends since we've been together. He refuses to take any with me. We've had our first one year this year, and I said, we haven't gotten a photo. So she replied, I can keep the memory in my head. <laughs> Sweet, but that's a red flag. Uh, again, it really got to me. Like Documenting photos, it's important. Lastly, I wanted to take her to my favorite restaurant. She said, sounds like my idea of hell. It's bugging me that this girl wants to live with me, says she loves me, yet these things are eating away at my confidence. Am I overreacting? Um, It's interesting that you are personalizing all of it and letting it be about your worth or value. I kind of want you to put it back on her and say um, she's just not very affectionate, she's not very committed, um, and she's not very kind. You know, it's about her. Stop taking it on because you're saying it's eroding at your your confidence because it's a commentary on you. It's possible this is just how this person moves through the world. So a few things. One, um, 
Someone that doesn't want to post pictures a year in. Yeah, we kind of live in a time where it's a social milestone to post pictures and publicly be out. Um, that's up to you. Maybe that's a deal breaker. Look, you want to live with me? You need to publi- publicly identify that we're together. And if not, yeah, feel free to break up. Also, um, the whole thing about your rest, the, your favorite restaurants, her idea of hell. All right. You know, again, toxic monogamy. You don't have to do everything with your partner. Go eat there with your friends and other people. I don't know why you think that your partner has to be willing to go to your favorite restaurant. Go to the restaurant you both enjoy. So in that part, you're kind of overreacting. The photo, that's up to you. If I was in a relationship with someone a year and they won't post a picture of us together, I'm not okay with that. That to me is a sign of hiding something. Um, so yeah, I would ask, I would actually ask a lot more questions about that, but yeah, feel free to say you need to post pictures if you want us to be serious, if you want me to take this seriously, because if you're not, I can't, you know what I mean? All right. Good luck. Uh, Hey, Dr. Chris, I made a decision not to live nor marry my boyfriend because of money issues that he has. It would only lead to real problems for us. He doesn't see it that way at all. Um, I'm very financially set from saving, working all my life and he has very little in assets and only earns enough to pay his regular bills. I don't want to lose him because he treats me great and loves me a lot, but he keeps telling me he wants to live together and get married. How do I get through to him more clearly what I'm willing to do and not willing to do? You, you kind of already did. You tell him, I don't know how realistic it is for him to make more money unless he's lazy or happily under earning, but, um, you made it clear, make it clear again. I'm not down to move in together or get married until you're doing better financially. I think it's a fair thing to say. A lot of us in adulthood, later adulthood, second phase of life, want to deal with certain things like traveling. Do we want to own a home together? I'm with that. I won't marry or partner up seriously with someone who's not financially secure. There's certain things that I want to do in our part of my lifestyle. And if they're not in a place to kind of meet me there or match it, we're not compatible. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, again, compatibility is not just emotional and, and psychological. It's also social. Social compatibility is about the ability for us. Well, the interest to do this, you know, similar things, but also the ability. Some people in relationships that make more are willing to cover for their plus ones and partners. Um, I'm personally not. So I'm just personalizing this one. Um, I've been in relationships with people that weren't able to pull their own way and it's exhausting. Puts a lot of responsibility on the primary income generator to make sure that they're always doing that. And if you get sick, disabled or fired or whatever, yeah, the struggle's real then if you're the only one bringing in money or enough money to get your bills met. So either you have to downsize your life or you have to be willing to pay and overcompensate for them or you got to leave and be with somebody else. It's a powerful decision you have to make, but it's on you and you alone to make that decision. But you got my support. That's adulthood, you know, looking at what our future would be like together. Slide into the DMs is brought to you by friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. Be listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. Love Line. This is Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Right now, though, let's go to Josh Katz from Bad Flower. Josh, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, how was your mental health? I mean, it's fine. Probably the same as everybody else. It's it's tough right now. Certain days are better than others. I wish that I could go out and play shows and know that I could like make money. That's kind of stressful for us bands. But all in all, I mean, I'm in my own home studio. I get to keep working, so everything's good for me. I like hearing that. I'm happy when people are thriving. And talk to How us are you. I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing not too bad. I hold the bar pretty high for myself because the work I do. But I'm letting myself kind of feel all the different feelings. But I'm not doing too bad. So can I ask you about self-care? What kind of forms of self-care do you see yourself uh, engaging in these days? 
Oh, I got. Oh, there you're back. We we lost you for a second. We froze. So, talk to me about self care. What kind of self care do you see yourself engaging in these days? Um, I try my best to sleep well. Although I'm not very good at it when I'm writing music, I like to stay up all night. But I find that when I get a good night's sleep, I feel a lot better. And um, and I've also been trying to exercise a lot more and not just like sit on a couch when I'm not doing anything. Like I just if I can run around my neighborhood a little bit with a mask on, obviously. Um, I, I wake up the next day feeling much better and a little bit sore, but also feeling like I want to go do that again. And that I think that's like hugely important. It's like one of those simple things that people forget, but you could just like move your body, run around the house, run around the neighborhood and you'll feel so much better. I'm so inspired by that. I, I, my body does not want to go move, but I, I recognize the, the, the benefits of moving your body, the fresh air, the sunshine. So I'm, uh, good for you. I'm, I mean, you can open a window and do like jumping jacks, like middle school PE stuff. And it, that, that alone feels so good. I'll set the goal of five to 10. That's all I'm giving you. 250. Come on, man. <laughs> you can, you can squeeze 50. in. I got 50 in me. Um, so I wanted to ask you something, you know, your, your music has a level of honesty in terms of the different mental health topics that you're willing to talk about and cover. So before we even get into that specifically, where does your confidence in the vulnerability come from? I honestly, I don't know. I just, I think I'd started writing certain songs that were really vulnerable and very direct and very real. And I got a lot out of it, out of doing that and, and putting it out for people. And then on top of it, people started to notice and recognize it and, and, and became fans of our band because of it. So it just like, I don't know, I just went down that path because it felt like it made the most sense. And now that's kind of like my thing. That's what I do. And I'm very proud that that's what I do. I, I, I take a lot of pride in the fact that our band isn't one that just like goes out on stage like these rock stars and wants to be cool and be perceived cool. Like we're very, very real and... uh and people know that and that, that's what they love about us. I think it's such a needed thing these days. So I applaud you for being front runners in that. I think it's easy for people in the public spotlight to think that they need to present their most shiniest and cleanest and best. Even the name of the album, Okay, I'm Sick, is such a normalizing part of the mental health work. Yeah. And when we looked at, I was looking at some of the topics that you cover, and it's not common that you hear them in music, um, abuse, suicide, sexual abuse, death. And one of the interviews, you talked about the importance of really encountering some of this, and you were talking about not avoiding it and trigger warnings. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I I just feel like that I've noticed for myself, because I deal with a lot of these issues, the reason that I write about them is that the more I talk about them and confront them, and I'm not afraid of them. Uh, the the more I understand it, and I can and I can like heal and be better. And so I personally I get why trigger warnings are a thing. I get that it could send people spiraling. But I also like I'm I'm just an advocate of like facing your problems and your issues and anything that might trigger your PTSD or whatever it is. I'm I'm a believer in facing it head on. And I've done countless therapy sessions, and that seems to be like the running theme with. If you really want to heal, you have to face this stuff. Like you can't dance around it and you can't suppress it. You just have to face it. And uh, yeah, that's my stance. I'm not a doctor. You might tell me right now, no, that's not exact. That's not the best way to do it. But that's worked for me. And that's worked for a lot of people that I know as well. Well, I think it's important for everyone to find what works for them. And I know that mental health and the whole purpose of this show is we want people to at least be comfortable talking about mental health and to talk about it. You have to be able to feel it. And I want culturally us to be familiar hearing people talk about it because we're all on that continuum somewhere. Right. 
So let's talk about, you also mentioned like a trifecta, anger, lust, and heartbreak. I haven't heard someone talk about singing about lust. Where does that, talk to me about that piece, because I think that that's such a, a powerful drive. Like when I do sex therapy, that's one of things that comes up is how sex is such a powerful force in our lives. We'll forego sleep. Uh, we'll do things we wouldn't normally do. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between, at least for me, uh, if I actually like somebody or I really have true feelings or I just I just think they're hot <laughs> and want to get with them, so to speak. I think like there's a there's a there's a line there that sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. And so, yeah, I love to write about that. And it, to me, it's like it can be just as powerful of a motivator or uh, or or on the ne- in the negative side, like it could destroy you in the same way as like heartbreak, you know? Yeah, relationships. That's how I feel about it. Well, and that's one of the things I was opening the show with, the whole idea that like really every song seems to be about relationships in some form, every movie, every book, like there's such a powerful center point in our lives and I want people to take responsibility for the impact they have on others in terms of like sex and dating and romance. And so it's a very confusing thing and it and it definitely directly impacts our mental health. Totally. So talk to us about the 320 Festival. Um, probably a bummer that you can't perform live, but I'm glad that it's still going to be happening online. And for those that want to check it out, it's May uh, 8th through the 10th at uh, 320festival.com. And it's going to be what? Mental health, education, performances. What do you want people to walk away with from this? Uh, I just want everybody to have a good time and enjoy it. I think it's just a cool thing. We're, first of all, we're so honored to be a part of it that they asked us to do it. Um, and I just think it's a cool thing for people to get to tune into and forget about how weird the world is right now um, and just enjoy some music. And I'm really excited just as a fan of the whole thing. I'm excited to watch all the people doing the talks and um, like the sort of lecture style thing. There's a lot of bands who are going live on the Internet and it's really cool and we all love to tune in. But I think that part of it's going to be really special. And just to hear other people's takes on on issues that we're all dealing with constantly. I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah. We had to Linda Bennington on last week and I was thanking her for doing this because again, you know, music is something that we all connect to. We all enjoy it. And to infuse a mental health component is so needed. And a lot of people shy away and have anxiety about talking about that. And so I was thanking her for the vulnerability. And so I just want to say that to you as well. I mean, your music is so vulnerable and real, your participation. We need more of that from musicians. Love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q. All right. We're back and we got Josh Katz from Bad Flower. Uh, Historically for you, outside of your own music, has music been healing for you or something that helped you with your mental health? I mean, like I said, your songs are about this. The album title itself is its own intervention in normalizing and kind of calling out your own struggles. So there's something very powerful in that. And, you know, music has a capacity to heal. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And I agree. I think think, uh, a lot of musicians are capable of talking about this stuff and potentially healing people. And I feel like if they are, they should. And we should all stop being so, I mean, this job is so strange. It's such a selfish job. Like it's all about me. I'm on the stage and the lights are on me and people are paying tickets to see me because they love me. We already have that and it's great. We're fulfilled. So now let's take that and take this platform that we have and actually speak on things that could potentially change the world or even change one person. Um, I think if, if, if we have the power to do it, we should music and movies and TV, like honestly, any sort of art has been, and there's two different versions of it too. There's like the escapism version where you just put on a song and it just helps you to not think about what's happening. And then there's the version of music, like more like what we make, which is just really confronting and helps you to see things maybe differently. Or, you know, if you're sad, it'll make you more sad, but then you're crying and you're finally confronting it. And it really can be that like 
the motivator that tips you over to really look at things in a different way. And I, I love that about music. It's so honest. That's what I hear in there. It's just honest. Yeah. So we have some questions that came in from fans. I'd love for you to answer with us. Sure. So this one asks, when you're recording a new song, what is the first thing you think? The melody or the lyrics? I've often wondered this myself. It, it can be different every time. I mean, so many songs are written just like when I'm driving and I might hear like a truck pass by and it'll go. And then in my head, I'll go. Like it can be the weirdest thing. Um, and that's when a melody pops in or sometimes it's a lyric. Sometimes it's something somebody says in conversation or uh, or whatever, or just something that pops into your head. It can really be both. For me, the best songs are written when there's like a core melody that's just like so infectious and you can just like feel it like a heartbeat. And one phrase that ends up becoming like a theme of the song. That's It's like if you have that foundation early on, it's probably going to be a song that ends up getting finished and is a great song. If you don't have that and you're searching for it the entire time, the song might not ever happen or might not be very good. Wow. Inspiration from everywhere. I like that. Uh, the next question asks, oh, I like this. If you weren't an artist, what do you think you would be? Either. I think I, I really enjoy um, anything to do with concerts and stage. So I could I could see myself like wearing all black and being like the lighting guy or the stage tech or like the sound guy or something like that. I really love. I also love producing music. I mean, it's all music related to some degree or it's all like performance related. Uh, if it was out of that. I also like building things like I like woodworking and building furniture and remodeling houses. I could see myself doing something like that. Wow. All right. I like that. And then this final question asks, what's been the hardest part of quarantining for you? I miss going to restaurants so bad. I miss being able to sit down at a restaurant. I hate like I've ordered pickup and stuff. I know that's such a dumb thing. Like if you ask that question to somebody else, they're like, oh, can't see my family or can't see this. Like, I mean, we got phones, we got the internet, we're connected with all of our people. So that's okay. I really just miss being able to sit down and order a meal so much. Because <laughs> essentially it. quarantine for me isn't it's the same as it was. I'm I'm making a record, so I'm like in my home studio working. If we weren't quarantining, it'd be the same thing. The only thing I feel like I'm really lacking personally is that. All right. That's honest. I appreciate that. And it also feels good sometimes just to have someone else cook for you. I don't know. Have you gotten into cooking? Is that something that's come out or do you not a cook? I've at always all? cooked. Really? I've always loved so many people talking about that. It's just something I'm, I'm like almost refusing to do it. And people keep talking about baking bread and cooking and it's just over my head. Oh yeah, no, you got to do it. I mean, I'm vegan too. And I live out in the desert where there's not a lot of options for me to eat anyway. So like out of necessity, I had to learn to cook. All right, and now I'm, I love I'm vegan as well. And so I, I make a mean curry if I do cook. Are you I like am. what kind of a curry like like Indian style or like Thai style? Um, I make a good pad Thai from the Thug Kitchen Cookbook, but I also make a pretty good yellow curry. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would love to try it. That's one of the things that I've always tried to make, and I fail every time. I will. I will get my uh, producer to send you my recipe. <laughs> Yes, please, please. I'm going to hold you to that. All right, Josh Katz, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Good luck at the 320 Festival. I'm going to be there checking it out. Thank you so much. Have a great night. You too. Bye. And again, I love that, you know, film and music, it soothes our soul. It supports the mood we're in. It also has the capacity to transport us and put us in a different place. We're all struggling. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel, Q and Radio.com. Take a little break. We'll see you back in a minute. Loveline. This is Loveline with Dr. Chris on channel Q. Okay. It's that time. Time to slide on into the DMs. 
sliding into the DMs. Here we go. Dr. Chris, I started dating a guy last year who was introduced to me via a threesome proposal from his now ex-girlfriend, which never happened. A year later, he and I ended up dating Almost a year in now, it's become really toxic. Fulfilling fantasies basically took over, and our relationship went from something real to full-on threesomes only, and it got to the point where he wanted to introduce strangers into the mix. I know it's toxic, verbally abusive, but that devil D... Oh my gosh, it just made my night. Just made my entire night with that. So now what should or can I do to move on or pull away from their toxicness? Please drop some gems for Sista. Okay, so number one, uh, I send out my heart and my heart and empathy to you because I know how difficult it is when you're with someone and there's some component of it that's really keeping you in there, whether it's the sexual connection and chemistry or, excuse me, it's some other level of compatibility or interest. But I'm happy and thankful that you have enough care and self-esteem that you're stepping back and you're saying, is this good for me? Because sometimes people will rationalize sticking around in something and they'll deny that it's toxic or problematic or not what they want because of these levels of chemistry and compatibility or whatnot. So unfortunately, what can happen sometimes is when you meet someone and you meet someone in the context of something really kinky, you met them in the context of a possible three-way, you know, the other person gets really excited thinking, this is someone who's willing to go on this sexual journey with me. And it's understandable that you're saying, I don't want that to be the entirety of our relationship. And I don't want our sex life to always be centered around kind of pushing the boundaries and exploring. It can, it can stress you out. It can wear you down. I'm not sure what elements of it are verbally abusive, but if you're calling it that, I'm going to trust it and I'm going to support you in realizing that you, you need to maybe leave. I always want to say first though, that talk about it. Why do I say that? Because I work with some couples where they make a decision that something can't be changed or that the person isn't willing to change and they end it. Having never given the other person the opportunity to really be held accountable to what's going on and to really be asked and requested to make some changes. And I I want you to hear from this person a no or a yes first. So approach them about it. Hey, we met in the context of a possible threesome. Since then, we've had a really creative, diversified sex life. It's not working for me or I feel like I need to say no or set some boundaries and either I'm afraid I would lose you in doing so or you've said you would leave me if I did that, really say to them, I'm at a point where I need to take care of myself and this isn't working and I need to leave. It's feeling toxic. Are you open to making some changes? Are you open to changing the way we relate sexually? And if they say, yeah, I'm in, that's great. And if they're not open to that or they start to kind of you know, say that you're sex phobic or you're sex negative or whatever it is, bounce because anyone who really wants to be in a relationship with you has to be open to being told that the way you're currently relating or the way sex is going isn't necessarily what you want and they have to be open to making some tweaks and some changes and so again you're using the word verbally abusive and that's not okay and so give them a chance to possibly be willing to make some changes and see if that's that can happen but if not you got my permission to leave so there's my gem for you uh, all right, we got time. Nope, we don't. Okay, so we're going to go. I had another DM. We'll save that to tomorrow night. But as always, hit us up on our Love on IG page with your other questions. You can always call in 833-LOVE-001. You guys, thanks for hanging out with me. It's been an awesome Tuesday night. I started the show thinking it was Wednesday. It's only Tuesday. We got a few more days. But, you know, we got it in us. We can do it. Get through those days. I'll be back tomorrow night. So come back and hang out with me. See you guys tomorrow night. Have an awesome night. Good night. 
Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q.